Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I am feeling a cocktail of emotions today because on the one hand, I am so excited to talk about today's topic, but on the other, it's a little different than what I typically share. And so I'm feeling like a little nervous or a little out there. I feel a little exposed and vulnerable today. So I'm being gentle with myself as I get a little naked in front of you guys and we talk about something that's out of the norm. Before we really dig in, I want to make you aware that there are some topics in this episode that could be triggering, particularly if you're just starting to deconstruct trauma that involved your parents. So be aware of that, listen to your inner knowing, and let's get started. Today, I'm talking about something that has a little bit of a woo-woo flavor to it. It's a little spiritual. It's a little ethereal. And it's also highly effective. Today, we're going to get a little into the woo in order to heal trauma. This concept, this tool was incredibly transformative in my own life. It's been incredibly transformative for my clients And I want to share it with you today so that you can do some of these things at home and begin to get the transformations you're looking for and to heal the trauma in your life. Today, I'm talking about the concept of reparenting. Now, I can almost hear some of you going, oh my gosh, what is reparenting? That sounds really weird. Reparenting is the idea That we can mentally and emotionally go back to those times in our past where we experienced some trauma, whether it was big T trauma, you know, the big ones, neglect, abuse, those sorts of things, or whether it's little T trauma, you know, times when we were incredibly embarrassed or we felt ashamed or we felt terrified, those core memories that made us create coping mechanisms in order to protect ourselves. And while not all of our trauma has to do with our parents, often what happens is we experience these traumatic things and sometimes we tell our parents about them and our parents don't react in the way that we needed them to react. Either they minimized what we experienced or they brushed it off or they just were emotionally unavailable to talk about it or they may have even shamed us for having the experience. It's called reparenting because we're basically going back in time as our current adult and we are talking to our inner child and allowing them to express what happened from their perspective and what they need, and then we're providing the things that they need. As our adult selves, we are reparenting our inner child. We're offering them a trusting, stable relationship with an adult who has their back, who can give them protection, 
and safety and empathy and compassion and a listening ear who can help them feel important and help them work through the problems that were created by that traumatic event. Now, a quick aside before we really dive into this. I'm going to be talking about parents and trauma that comes from parents a lot, but I want to be understood. So often we want to blame a lot on our parents. And while our parents absolutely play big roles in our trauma, I don't believe in shaming parents even when things were really, really bad in our homes growing up. Parents who abuse and neglect often have deep traumatic wounds of their own, and they often have a very limited toolbox. In many ways, the people that parented us that caused harm did so because they didn't have any other way to deal. They may have had examples of other people that were parenting differently or showing up differently, but they may not have known how to do that. They may have felt deep shame that they couldn't show up in those ways. So whether you had parents that used substances to numb emotions and difficult experiences from their life, or you had parents that were emotionally distant and you felt like your emotions didn't matter, or you had parents that would heap shame and judgment on top of you, or you had parents that did other things that made you feel small and unimportant and invisible and ashamed, the chances are your parents had their own deep trauma from their own childhood. They probably could have used some reparenting themselves. And in their efforts to cope with their own deep trauma, ended up traumatizing you. This is what generational trauma looks like. And often this is how it's passed down. When we have trauma and we don't know how to address it and we don't know how to heal it, we end up passing it on to the next generation through our own unhealthy coping mechanisms. So... While, yes, our parents are a big part of our trauma, and while, yes, it makes sense to hold them accountable for the harm and the hurt that they've done in our lives, there's also a place for understanding that they may have had a limited toolbox. They may have had serious trauma of their own, and they may have been doing the very best that they could have done, even when their best was absolutely terrible. This episode is not to shame parents. Absolutely believe in holding parents accountable, but when we do it from this place of understanding that people typically don't suck on purpose, and typically it's just they don't have different tools, those conversations go differently than believing our parents knew better, should have done better, and consciously chose not to do better for us. I really just want to say that ahead of time. And I know, like, I can almost feel that there will be some of you that just want to turn this off at this point because your hurts are so deep and you want your parents to pay. You want your parents to feel the pain that you felt. I get that. I really do. 
And part of your healing journey will be making peace with the fact that we all just do the best we can. Because as we hold that judgment over our parents' heads, we're also holding it over our own head. As long as we want to harm and shame our parents for not showing up the way they should have, we also hold judgment over our own head because we're going to make mistakes as well. We're going to show up imperfectly as well. There are things we will accidentally say and do that harm our kids as well. And I know so often we are terrified that our children will feel the same about us as we feel about our parents. And as we heal our own self-worth wounds, as we're able to give ourselves compassion Being able to extend compassion to parents becomes easier, as well as our ability to tolerate accountability. When we heal our self-worth wounds, we can hear that we created harm in someone's life without it automatically sending us into a shame spiral because we know that we're good people who also sometimes do harm. And so for those of you who may be listening and you're terrified that your kids will need to reparent themselves, just know they will need to reparent themselves. There will be times you show up the very best you can, and it won't be what your child needs because you're not your child. And you'll do the very best you can, and you'll offer what they need, and sometimes it won't be what they need. But as we heal our self-worth wounds, we'll be able to open ourselves up to conversations with our kids and ask them, you know, tell me, tell me about your hurts. Allow me to take responsibility for my part. Allow me to apologize. Talk with me about what's going on for you. For many of us, we have parents that aren't able to have those conversations yet because their self-worth wounds, their trauma is still too great. And I want to say one other thing. The things we know today about vulnerability, about shame resilience, about all of these new tools that we've been given about healing trauma have really only come about in the last two or three decades. You and I listening to this podcast, we have opportunities our parents didn't have. And if people aren't taught how to love, how to cope with dependency, how to practice vulnerability, how to practice shame resilience. How can they pass those things on to us as their children? They can't. We can't give to someone else what we don't have ourselves. So while it may feel incredibly unfair that we're having to do this work, that we weren't just parented in healthy ways, that our parents didn't intuitively know how to be empathic with us, that they didn't intuitively know how to help us heal our self-worth wounds. We can't really fault them. We're just learning about this stuff ourselves. And so while our feelings of hurt and grief and anger even make sense, there's also a place for empathy. Now, that empathy might not come until we've healed our own self-worth wounds. We might not be able to extend that to other people until we've healed ourselves first. And that's okay. That being said, 
while it's not fair that we have these wounds, and it's not fair that we weren't parented in healthy ways, we're absolutely empowered to change our story now. We have all of the power we need to heal our wounds and to move forward. We have all the power we need to stop generational trauma here, right here, in our lifetime. Not only will we be passing down a healthier life to our children because we've healed trauma ourselves, but we're going to be healing these things throughout our lives, which means we're going to accidentally pass some of it down to our kids. But as we work through this, we teach them how to heal their own trauma, how to speak up for themselves, how to work through trust issues, how to work through emotional issues, because they'll be watching you. So we provide them with this very valuable gift that they will in turn pass on to their kids. Another interesting thing happens As we heal, we also in turn help our parents and our grandparents heal. As we change our part of our relationship with them, as we set boundaries, as we talk about creating trust, as we protect ourselves and give ourselves love and empathy, our parents and grandparents will be invited to do the same for themselves, to learn new tools that they can put in their toolbox, things that they may have never learned before. So we really are healing generations of trauma, not just for ourselves, but for our kids and for those who are still alive that came before us. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's really, really dig into this. So who is our inner child? Your inner child can be anything that is younger than what you are now. I have versions of my inner child that I sometimes need to talk with and help that are three or four years old. I have versions of my inner child that are eight or nine, in their teens, in their young 20s, and even in their 30s. There are younger versions of me that need a caring, loving parent to show up and validate and comfort and protect in ways that I didn't receive. Now, every time I get out of my comfort zone, every time I do something that's uncertain, where I don't know the outcome, often my inner child shows up. Because anytime I feel unsafe, my inner child will will want to make sure that they're protected. It's any time that wounded part of ourself that had to create the coping mechanisms to keep themselves safe as best they could, when they feel threatened, they will show up. This often happens when I am moving into a new level with my business, when I'm doing something like when I created the podcast, when I'm making relationships with someone who maybe feels more powerful than me or has a bigger voice than me. Anytime I do something that is out of my comfort zone, my inner child will pipe up and I might start feeling resistance or even anger or fear or shame. I might notice that my old coping mechanisms come up. I might start trying to people please. I might start trying to manipulate how other people view me. I might get into perfectionism where I procrastinate what I want to do or I have an all or nothing sort of a 
outlook on whatever it is I'm trying to do, or I might feel imposter syndrome or just a host of other different things. Or I might notice myself numbing with food or drink or with television or with social media, just scrolling through. When these coping mechanisms come up, it is a great opportunity for me to get curious and say, what am I feeling? Which version of my inner child is showing up? What does that inner child need from me? And so often what our inner child needs is communication. They need to know what's going on. They want to know what the plan is. They want to know how we're going to keep ourselves safe as we take risks, right? They also want to know what to expect from us. What is the structure here? Because think about yourself as a child. You wanted to know what was going on when things were different and scary. You wanted that comfort. They want to know there's an adult in charge that is strong enough to protect them, to navigate tough situations, and keep the inner child safe. So often when I'm feeling afraid, I will tap into my inner child And I'll talk about how to tap in in just a bit, but I'll tap into my inner child and I talk to them like I would one of my children and I'll say, hey, I noticed you feel scared. Tell me about it. And I listen to that inner child part of me that says, you know, I'm afraid we're going to fail and I'm afraid I'll be embarrassed and I'm afraid other people won't like us. And I validate what they're feeling and I tell them that I hear them. I hear you. This is scary. This is different. We're getting outside of our comfort zone. And then I reassure my inner child. But remember, I've got you. I will be in your corner no matter what. If we fail, that's okay. Remember, I'm going to help us pick ourselves back up off the ground and we'll try again. And if other people don't like us, those are not people meant for us. That's okay. I like you. And I'm always going to like you. If other people don't like you, it'll hurt. But we'll be okay. We've survived before. And you belong here. Or I'll listen and say, you're right. I can see where this feels really risky to you. This is my plan to make sure that we don't spend too much money on this. This is how this is going to go. This is my plan to keep us financially safe as we make this decision. Really talking with my inner child and letting them know there's an adult in charge here and I know how to budget and I know how to belong to myself even when other people don't agree with me. And I know how to pick myself back up when I make mistakes or I have a failure. We're going to survive this and I'm going to take care of my inner child and of my current self no matter what. And I trust myself to do that. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know how to do that, a couple of things. Go back to the episode about self-trust and building self-compassion. Go back to those. Or if you really feel like you need one-to-one help, this is when you seek a therapist or a coach. I would love to talk with you. I do free calls. This is one of those times that learning how to trust ourselves, learning how to be in our corner, learning how to belong to ourselves and heal those self-worth wounds, this is something I had to have professional help to do. And it may be something you have to have professional help to do as well, and that is okay. There is no shame in having to have someone outside of your perspective and your circumstances listen to what's going on in your head, listen 
to what's going on in your heart and help you heal those wounds and start to think differently. So this is one of those places. And then our inner child also needs to know that their feelings and experiences are valid and important. So often, many of us as children were brushed off. Oh, you're just tired when actually we were freaking out inside or we were feeling ashamed or we were feeling afraid. We need those feelings validated. We need them to be important to someone. We need to know that someone's listening. And so we can do that for our inner child. We can say, your feelings matter to me. I want to hear what you have to say. Now, I remember when I first learned about this concept about an inner child and I thought, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm actually a pretty functional adult. I've accomplished a lot of great things in my life. I mean, this is for people who are not functioning, right? This is for people who can't seem to get their life together. No, my friend, this is for everyone. So many of us have wounds from our childhood, and it feels exhausting. It feels like constantly trying to please other people and worrying about what they think of us. It feels like perfectionism. It feels like that negative, nagging self-talk that goes on inside of your head that you can't seem to shut off. It feels like having cravings for food, drink, sex, television, sleep that we can't seem to control. It feels like imposter syndrome, feeling like we're a great big fraud and we don't want people to know. It feels like a constant sense of anxiety or fear that we're in a dangerous place or that things are going to turn out badly. It feels like shame, worrying that people will know that you're not as good as they think you are. If any of this is coming up for you, you likely have a wounded inner child that could use a little love, attention, validation, protection, and you can do that for yourself. So I notice that my inner child is running the show. I talked about this a few minutes ago, but when I'm feeling resistance, you know when you really know you want to do something, but you can't seem to make yourself start Or you sign up for something, but then you can't make yourself actually show up for the thing you signed up for. That's resistance. Or I might feel confusion, have a hard time making a decision or knowing what to do. I feel out of touch with myself and out of touch with the direction my life is going. Or it might just feel like terror. I might just be afraid. Anytime those things happen, when I'm just feeling a ton of anxiety, confusion, or I'm just feeling resistance, chances are good that my inner child is running the show. How do we start to make contact with our inner child and then to begin to heal our relationship with our inner child? When I say we need to heal our relationship with our inner child, that's surprising for a lot of people because they're like, well, my inner child is me. I have a great relationship because it's me, right? Not necessarily. If you're anything like me, whenever I began to heal my inner child, I had been engaging in a lot of negative self-talk for over a decade. And what had happened is the hurts and the traumas I had experienced, I had internalized, and then I became the bully. First, my child didn't feel safe in the presence of the other person, the person that had created the trauma. 
or the situation that had created the trauma. That's possible too. But then my coping mechanisms were to internalize and then to negative self-talk myself so that I would stay out of situations that could put me in danger again in the future. I became the abuser. I became the person that told myself I was worthless. I became the person that told myself that I was ugly. I became the person that told myself that no one would want to be friends with me. I became the person that berated myself for eating too much to numb or sleeping too much to numb. I became the person that shamed and belittled myself. And so when I first made contact with my inner child, it was not a smooth meeting. My inner child did not run to greet me. My inner child was wary of me, didn't trust me, looked at me as an abuser. So this is one of those reasons I started the podcast talking about our parents and how our parents likely did the best they could with the tools they had. Because if you're going to reparent your inner child, chances are you've been using some of the coping mechanisms and the tools that your parents had at their disposal, because that's all you had at your disposal as a child. And you may have taken on some of their characteristics in dealing with yourself. Many of my clients will tell me that the voice in their head, the nagging voice in their head is their mother's voice or their father's voice. And really, it's our voice, but we've internalized our mom or we've internalized our dad. And we're using their voice as a way to try to protect ourselves and keep ourselves in line. But often it's traumatic and abusive. And so if you get to a place where you're making contact with your inner child and listening to them for the first time and they're treating you like you're not trustworthy or like you're abusive, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. And it's going to require accountability on our part, the ability to say, you know, I know that how I've been treating you is not okay. I was doing the best I could with the tools that I had, but I've learned new tools and I want to apologize. I'm so sorry I treated you like that. I'm so sorry. I've been shaming you for years instead of loving you and validating you but I'd like to try better. Are you willing to work with me? And some of our inner children are pretty forgiving and might say, okay, I'm willing to give you a chance. And some of our inner children might not. Not yet. They need you to prove yourself a little bit longer. And all of it gets to be okay. In my research, when I've been studying inner child healing, I've actually been looking a lot at children in the foster care system. And advice that's been given to foster parents who are planning to adopt these children. What struck me is that so many of these kids have trust issues. They have either been abused or neglected. They have been told by foster parents either through words or through actions that they are too unlovable. They're too difficult. They're too emotional to be able to handle. And so... A lot of the tools that are given to foster parents are to respect the child's autonomy, to respect the child's experience, to respect their boundaries, and if they're not warm, to not make it personal, to understand that the child is wounded and needs 
healing and that it'll take consistency and effort to keep showing up for that child with love, even when their behavior is not loving, even when it's not mutually beneficial. Foster parents are some of the most amazing heroes to me, the ones that do it well, simply because of how patient and kind and empathic they need to be with children who come into their home who maybe have a really traumatic history. So we're going to be adopting our own wounded inner child. The first step to doing this is to get in touch with our inner child. This will be a little difficult if you're not used to being in your body, if you're used to staying up in your head. A lot of my clients will tell me that they feel cut off at their throat, that they intellectualize their emotions, but that they don't feel, they don't feel comfortable in their bodies, they don't like to feel difficult emotions, and that they thought stop. And as you know from previous podcasts, our feelings don't go anywhere simply because we choose not to feel them. If we thought stop, they hang out in our bodies someplace and they wait for us to get brave enough to feel them. They wait for us to be open to their message. And that's really what your inner child is. This is just another name for all of those emotions that are stuffed in our body that we developed earlier in our life, that we felt earlier in our life and we weren't willing to work through or we didn't know how to work through. Here's where it gets a little woo. Are you ready? The adoptive process for adopting our inner child is to get in touch with our bodies. If you're driving, don't do this. If you're, you know, frying bacon or something, please don't do this. But if you're in a quiet space, And if you're not in a quiet space, maybe pause right here or you can listen through, but come back to this place when you're in a quiet and safe place. And what you're going to do is you're going to deep breathe. So you're going to breathe all the way down into your belly. Deep breath in, all the way down in the belly, and then a slow breath out. And you're just going to do this until you start to feel the anxiety and the weirdness kind of melt away. You're just deep breathing and getting into a mindful state of mind where you're just curious, you're just aware, you're just observing your body and any sensations that are in your body, and it'll take a couple of minutes. And as you breathe, you let your consciousness sink down, 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 out of the headspace, down your throat, and into your body as far as you can go. Now, like I said, if you haven't done this before, you may feel some resistance in the throat area in particular. This is typically where my clients get stuck is here in the throat area. Many of us have kept emotions in our body and we haven't talked about them. And so they've stacked up in our body like a hoarder's house So many of my clients talk about feeling like their house or their body is just scary, that it's full to the top with with boxes of emotions and experiences that they haven't unpacked, and it feels daunting and overwhelming and scary. I want you to get as far into your body as you can while you're breathing. Remember, deep breaths all the way into the belly. So your belly should expand and then your chest Deep, 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 deep breath and then release and you're just going to sink your consciousness as far as it'll go. And there's no right or wrong way with this, okay? So just as far as it'll go and then just get curious. 
get curious and observant with your body. What I like to do is once I've been in this place where I'm just curious and observant with my body is I allow myself to picture a time in my childhood. It can be any time. I often tend to picture myself when I'm about three or four years old. I'm almost always at my grandparents' house and I'm usually sitting on this big yellow metal chair on their front porch swinging my little sandaled feet with my sparkly jelly sandals on. I might be eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I'm usually just sitting on this warm metal chair in the Texas summer, swinging my feet. That's where I hang out. That's where my inner child is whenever I contact my inner child. Some people, their child is in a meadow. Others, their child is in a dark corner. One of my clients, her inner child, was naked in a jail cell. But just getting curious with where is my inner child? Where is she at? And I ask her permission if I can sit beside her. And I sit beside my little three or four-year-old self. And I usually start by asking her, how's she doing? Now, if you have a child that's in a dark room or a child that's naked in a jail cell, you may be doing a monologue. You may be sitting far away from her. She might not feel safe, or he might not feel safe, or they might not feel safe having you close to them. And this is where you start to talk and say, hey, this looks pretty scary here. I know that part of the reason you're here is because of me. I haven't been treating you very well. You have a lot that happened in your earlier life. And I'm here to make it right. And I know it might take some time to build trust, but I'm here to make it right. You go through talking about what you wish for your relationship with your child. And then I ask her, are there any things that are going on for you? Now when I'm feeling fear, I'll come to her and say, hey, I I can tell you're feeling scared. Can you talk to me about that? Tell me what you're feeling scared about. And sometimes she draws me a picture and I'll see it in my mind's eye. Sometimes I can almost feel her talking to me. It's that voice in your head and she'll tell me what she's afraid of or what's bothering her or why she feels resistant. And I just have a conversation with her. And I often ask myself this question. If I were an emotionally healthy parent, what would I do for this child? What comfort can I offer my child? How could I attend to my child's emotional needs? How can I reassure and protect the child in this situation? How can I calm the child's fears? We talk to our child first about what are you feeling? What do you need? What does the child want from you? Even the child in the corner will communicate to you what they want from you. They'll let you know how they're feeling because that child is you. You'll feel what that child is feeling. You'll feel the anger or the grief or the loneliness. And then you get a moment to express that. I feel that you're lonely. And that makes sense. I know what you've gone through. You went through this and this and this, and it made you feel lonely. That makes so much sense to me. 
I know what it feels like to be lonely because I've been in your shoes too. Can you remind me what it feels like to be lonely when you're 12? Can you show me the experience? Now, you guys, if you've had deep traumatic pain, if you've had abuse of some sort, this might be safer to do with a therapist. I would say don't venture into those things without the help of a professional. I needed a therapist at the beginning to help me make sense of the rage and the anger and the feeling that I was not safe. I needed to know that there was another adult in the room who would hold my adult as I held my child, that I could ask for guidance, that I could ask for help, that I wouldn't get stuck in the trauma again, because that's what we're often worried about, right? We're often worried that we'll get stuck in the trauma. And the the great thing is, is with my therapist, they were able to guide me so that I didn't necessarily have to re-experience all of the traumatic events, but I could re-experience what my child was feeling about those events. I didn't have to go through the actual events, but I could revisit what she felt about those events and what she needed an adult to do to comfort and protect her. And I could offer those things. So I think often when we think about going back in the past, we're worried that we're going to have to re-watch the abuse. And that's just not the case. And so if you're worried about that, please seek out a professional who can help you navigate that. Because I know that can be scary. And when we close up those experiences and we're not willing to deal with the emotions around those experiences, that wound stays there and festers and we can't heal because we have all of these coping mechanisms that are trying to protect us from that event. Please seek professional help. If you are wanting to heal these deep wounds, you need a therapist, not a coach. When you're ready to start building a life after healing those deep wounds, then you can seek out a coach. When it comes to deep traumatic wounds, you have the surgeon who goes in and fixes the broken parts, stitches you up. That's your therapist. And then you have a coach. I'm more like your physical therapist. I'm the person that helps you learn to walk again. I'm the person that helps you learn to dream again, to hope again, to build a future that feels good. Okay? So that's what I mean by trauma recovery. Just like a physical therapist helps you recover after you've had a traumatic physical event and a surgery, they help you learn to move and live a normal mobile life. I help you learn to move forward with hope and self-worth and shame resilience. That's the different roles if you still have a festering traumatic wound. And you are really worried about revisiting some of those things. I highly recommend a therapist. Some of the things your child will need help with is not only learning that they are important and that their feelings matter and that you're there to listen and that you care. They will likely also need help setting boundaries because especially in neglect and abuse situations, we often develop 
coping strategies that put down boundaries or that put up so many walls that we don't let anyone in. We do one of the two. We either have zero boundaries and people get to come and go from our lives in whatever way they want to and in ways that hurt us in order for us to feel like we're necessary to people and that they need us in their lives and we'll get our needs met. Or we build such solid fortresses that we don't let anyone in. And so your child may need a healthy adult to help them begin to sort through their boundaries and decide where boundaries need to be set that maybe haven't been there in the past and where you can let people in, in places that you haven't in the past because you didn't trust people. And they're likely going to need help with growth mindset. Or another word for that is compassionate accountability. And compassionate accountability is the idea that I am a good person who made a mistake. And because I keep my goodness, because I keep my inherent worthiness, I can admit mistakes, learn from them, and make plans to do better going forward. So that is something that I often have to talk with my child about. It is usually my three or four-year-old child when I make mistakes or I accidentally hurt other people that comes up and says, nope, we're not apologizing. Mm -mm, We're not doing that. And that's when I get to sit with her and say, you are worthy of love and belonging even when you hurt people. You're worthy even when you make mistakes. There's nothing you can do that makes you unworthy of love and belonging. You're a good person and you hurt your friend. So we need to apologize and we need to tell them that we know that we did something wrong and hurtful. We need to empathize with them and we need to make plans to do better in the future. We need to make amends. And I talk to my child that way. Now, part of adopting a child is making space for them in your life. So my inner child often feels neglected if I'm giving, giving, giving to everyone, 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 but not them. One of the things that I was taught to do, my inner child and I had a really, a pretty good rapport after a couple of meetings, and I was able to ask her, would you like to come and live with me? I've prepared a room for you. I painted it bright yellow, your favorite color. There's plants everywhere. Would you like to come home and live in that room with me? There's a big window with lots of sunshine. And she did. I made space for her where she would be comfortable. Now, for some of my clients with the naked child that lives in the jail cell, they asked, would you like to come live with me? And they said, not yet. And they said, can I come and visit you? And they said, please please come visit. And so we did this exercise together where my client could go and visit her inner child and check in with her and let her know that she was important. And she started making this a daily practice. And whether your child is ready to move in with you or whether they feel safer in their cage, you come back and you visit often and you check in. Now, this is something interesting we started doing in our home with our kids when they were little. And having a husband that's a therapist, this is something he brought home to us. But it's something I use with my inner child now. So we have 
daily check-ins, emotional check-ins. And each night when my kids get in bed, I snuggle up with them and I go through the emotions with them. I ask them, what made you happy today? What made you sad? What made you angry? Did anything make you feel lonely? Was anything scary today? Did you feel overwhelmed today? And I listen and ask them curiosity questions and really get to know them. It allows me to know what's been happening in their day from their perspective. What did their friends say to them at school? Was there anything that made them feel sad? Were there any little T traumas that happened in their life? Checking in with my inner child the same way, it's something I do before bed and I put my hand on my heart and I breathe into my belly and I drop my consciousness down into my heart area, which is where I've made a room for my inner child. That's where the sunshine room is. And I drop my consciousness down there and I envision sitting next to her in her room. And I simply ask her these questions. What made you so happy today? And I listen and I get curious. Was there anything that made you feel lonely or angry or scared or overwhelmed? And I check in with her. And as I check in with her and I make it a habit to visit her and check in with her daily, she tells me what I need to know, where I need to set boundaries, where I need to say no a little more and yes a little less. What's important to me? What makes me happy? What's making me sad? What do I need to process through? Your inner child is going to be a huge help to you in getting to know your your wisdom and your intuition and the compass. I almost feel like our inner children hold the compass to our life. And as we check in with them and protect them and empathize with them, we build trust with ourselves and our intuition. We have more access to that compass. We learn to be more compassionate to ourselves. It's really difficult to be unkind to yourself when you understand it's the three or five or eight-year-old version of you that is scared of these things or feeling the way that you feel. It's a lot easier to be compassionate with yourself. It's a lot easier to set boundaries when you understand that it's your child self that you're protecting. And I protect my child the way I would protect either of my boys. I am that devoted to my boundaries because my inner child deserves that kind of protection too. And I'm the only person that can give that to her. And it's a lot easier to love yourself when you start building trust and compassion for yourself. You start to understand that you are worthy of love and belonging no matter what. And you start to trust that you will always belong to yourself as you practice. I hope this was helpful. Like I said, it's a little bit woo-woo. It's a little out there. For some people, this will feel outside of your comfort zone, but I urge you to try it anyway. I was so skeptical before I learned about reparenting, but I'm so glad I tried it. Adopting my inner child, checking in with her, listening to her needs, validating her has been one of the best practices for me in developing self-worth 
and in developing self-compassion and self-trust. And I'm excited to share it with all of you. If you would like a little bit more guidance with this, I have paired up with a Washington, D.C. artist named Heidi Nelson, and we are doing a self-love workshop, a self-love art exploration at the end of this month. So it will be Thursday, April 22nd in the evening or Sunday, April 25th, I think in the early afternoon. And the way it's going to work is you're going to want to sign up this week if this is something you'd like to do. The workshop is $75. It is online. But the way it will work is Heidi is going to send you a curated box of art supplies. And you'll need a photo of your younger self, your inner child. And we will be doing an inner child guided meditation. So I'll be leading you through an inner child guided meditation where you can make contact with your inner child and talk with them and heal some wounds right then and there. So it'll be a 20-minute guided inner child healing meditation. And then there is music therapy that's going to happen as we write self-love letters to ourselves or inner child healing letters, whichever you prefer. And then Heidi is going to guide us through an hour-long art session to create a collage and an art masterpiece that demonstrates self-love for our younger self and acceptance and belonging and worthiness and healing. And it's going to be so beautiful. And you're going to come away with this, not only with a beautiful art piece to remind yourself of your inner child, but also two curated music lists and a self-love letter. All of this will be beautiful and healing, and we hope that you can join us. It is a limited availability. So I will have the link to the landing page where you can check out everything that's going on, the times, the prices, and the link to sign up and to register. That will all be in the show notes. Make sure you click on that. We would love to have you there. It's going to be a beautiful experience. If this has been helpful for you, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or in the Facebook group page where we talk about these things more deeply. I will be offering a couple of emotional release meditations over on the Facebook group after this podcast goes live. And I'm really excited to hear what you think about this episode, particularly because it's been a little bit different than what I normally put out there. So Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for your time and your attention. And I'm wishing you and your inner child lots of healing and a beautiful, beautiful, connected, trusting, and compassionate relationship now and forevermore into the future. We'll see you next Sunday.